welcome to the Thunder Basketball Universe. Greetings from San Antonio. It's a road pod. It's our first road pod. We got a lot to discuss, so let's uh, go ahead and dive right in. Welcome to the Thunder Basketball Universe. I'm Paris. I'm sitting right next to my road partner. It's Nick Gallo. No producer Hindi on the road with us. so We'll try not to mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> we are unsupervised for this pod. And we've got a big pod today. The Thunder wrapped up its three-game homestand with a win over the Magic. It was a special night beyond just a play on the court, but we'll get to that later in the show. Also, we're learning a lot about this team, and we're going to give you one reason we're super excited and, you know, one area that the Thunder can still grow in. But first, back-to-back wins. Nick, what did the team have to do to get these wins that they hadn't done in previous games? They had to finish out fourth quarters. Yeah. And this goes back to something that Chris Paul has talked about all season long, really, is just because this team is young doesn't mean that they have to take their lumps and lose at the same time. They can keep learning these lessons. I think we've talked about it in previous pods. and. That's really the stride forward that we've seen here over the last couple games. They lost tough home ones against Washington and Portland, then turned right back around and closed out games offensively and defensively in the fourth quarter in these last two games against New Orleans and Orlando. You talk about that defense in the fourth quarter, holding teams to 16.5 points against the Pelicans and the Magic. That's a really staggering statistic, and I want to hear your your point of view on this because it, a lot has to go into holding a team, especially in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's when teams start gearing up, and that's crunch time, and that's when teams really have to dive in. So I want to see what your perspective is on this. They shut off the defensive rebounding and the fouling in particular against Orlando, but the thing that stood out to me was just their disruptiveness. This team hasn't necessarily been a really high like steals and blocks team so far this season, mm-hmm. but in the fourth quarter against Orlando, they were really, really disruptive. And is that a matter of just them like honing in on details or is that a matter of like maybe one player stepping out or a couple of players really like diving into what their identity is on the defensive end? Gallinari said sticking to the game plan and that's what a lot of guys will probably echo. Um, one player that really stood out to me was Dennis. Uh, he had I think, two or three steals, drew, like just really in all of the passing lanes. That's been his kind of story of his season so far is that he's really amped it up on the defensive end of the floor. Yeah, and he's been that way for – we've seen that for the first six games this season is just do it all, Dennis, like you (laughs) mentioned in your your article. Um, Check it out on OKCThunder.com. But he he really does – he's a pest on defense, and Chris Paul calls him that a couple of times, just being that aggressive. I think Donovan used the word nasty in the complimentary way of just like he's always super quick and explosive on the defensive end and it really helps its team clearly holding teams to 16 and a half points in the fourth quarter yeah I mean it's so it's not just Dennis it's all these guys I mean you have veterans in Chris Paul and Danilo and um, young emerging stars in, in SGA who all want to win and they want to play well on the defensive end and it's just nice to see that happen in the fourth quarter and then offensively I mean you can get all the stops you want but you can't win if you don't put you know the ball on the the, yeah the ball in the basket and we saw two really clutch three-pointers that came off of ball movement from Darius and SGA in Mm -hmm. the kind of final seven minutes of that game and then some really nice execution against Orlando with a actually a, a dribble handoff between Steven and Danilo that resulted in a power forward to center 
pick and roll right. action. Really, really special to see something we do not have not seen often in OKC. And it's it, like you said, it's really good to see that. And what stood out to me is that they're doing this in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Up to this point, we've been trying to see this team go for 48 minutes of consistent ball movement, consistent pressure, consistent, you know, getting the right shot and knocking things down. And so it was really good to see that down the stretch. Chris said that they've found some sets that they're much more comfortable with down in those, in those fourth quarter moments. And that's something that was just going to be kind of trial and error. And it was going to have to work through some of these things in the early going. Yeah, great to see that. So this kind of transitions really nicely into something that we're going to start. I think we should call it love it or lean on it. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I'm good with it. <laughs> okay. So we've, we've have about seven games worth of sample size to deal with and something that the Thunder can we we really are excited to see from the Thunder and then something that we think is still an area of growth so the first one for me the first thing I love from this team so far is their ball movement we've talked about it a little bit but they've really grown into their own and we're seeing them attack the paint make the extra pass and get get in that ball movement early on and utilize all the weapons on the floor some passes that we've seen like dishes out to the corner mm -hmm. accepting that closeout and then making the swing pass back up the wing for a three-pointer or for a pump fake and go like just beautiful swing swing action to get both sides of the court involved. I think one of my favorite examples is like Baisley's attacks off the baseline and finding shooters open mm -hmm. in the corner just like little little things like that and even from the point guard hitting the high post or the center at the high post position and then getting the ball right back. That type of action, just like little pieces of ball movement that are getting everybody else open on the floor. My thing that I'm loving right now is kind of related to that, but Dennis's drives. And one thing he's doing really well is running along the baseline with the ball and it gets all the defenders' heads turned. Right. And then he's whipping a pass back out to the perimeter. Everybody's got to turn their heads back out and it's that split second of misdirection yep. and uh, you know having to turn their head that allows the Thunder to make that next play, make that next pass, really decisive basketball. Can I add a love it to this too? Absolutely. Because I feel like we're on a good roll right now. Yeah. And I feel like that's it's, we talked about it a little bit, but gaining an extra step of advantage. When Dennis does that, it gets everybody's head turned, like you said, and that opens up the floor for like half a second mm -hmm. for everybody else in the perimeter to get an open look. That extra step is what sets this team apart on the offensive end and gives them those advantages. I love that. That's why we're seeing those offensive numbers continue to creep up and creep up. And it, the team's been able to withstand some tough shooting nights from certain players. Dennis or Danilo in the last game did not shoot up particularly well, but they're a little bit more recession-proof, if, right. if that makes sense. That yeah. One or two guys can be off, but if the ball is constantly flowing and moving, somebody is going to have a good shooting night. They're definitely tough to guard when they're doing that. Which, on the flip side, my lean on it is the offensive numbers, right? Offensive rebounding numbers mm -hmm. right now. It's not really affecting them because the past two games have been wins, but I feel like that's an area of growth for the Thunder right now is honing in on that offensive glass. We're taping this on Thursday morning ahead of the Thunder's game in San Antonio against the Spurs, and this is going to be another team, three straight, basically, that have really, really good yeah. offensive rebounders in LaMarcus Aldridge, Jacob, Jakob Pertl. Uh, so Thunder's going to have to be vigilant on the boards again. Right, and it's always a battle on the glass. They're always tough offensive rebounders in this league, but this is an area for the Thunder to really set themselves apart. It's one thing to give up offensive rebounds and, you know, 
be clean but imagine if a team is if you're not staying clean on the defensive end and you're giving up transition easy transition buckets it's all about limiting those easy points and Mm -hmm. this is just an area of growth for the thunder that if they can hone in on this clean up the offensive glass i feel like it could take the next to the next level my lean on it is just i mean it's hard to criticize the defense because it's been so good um but one area that i think Billy would say that his team can get better at is just avoiding some of those ticky-tack fouls Mm -hmm. out top. Yeah, and it's such a tough balance, right, because you want to stay aggressive on that defensive end. You've seen that with Terrence Ferguson, Hamadou Diallo, even Dennis Schroeder, just being that aggressor on these tough assignments, Mm -hmm. but also also trying to maintain composure and stay clean and not pick up those ticky-tack fouls. Yeah, I mean, the results have spoken for themselves. Shooters like Terrence Ross, J.J. Redick Mm -hmm. have not really, like, gotten off against the Thunder, but Thunder has been in the bonus a little bit early in some of these games, so just watching that and monitoring it moving forward. Right, and that goes right hand-in-hand with my lean on it and just limiting the easy points for other teams. I've got a lean on it. Okay. It's me not referencing anyone when they've got a great streak going. Last episode, I oh. mentioned Gallo's free throw shooting streak. And then, of course, the very next game, he misses one in the final minutes. So the good old broadcaster's jinx. I am very sorry, Danilo. Danilo, our bad man. Our bad. So like we mentioned, we're recording this on Thursday before the team plays San Antonio, sitting in San Antonio right now, our first road pod. Looking out on the river walk. Beautiful San Antonio, looking good. So what does the Thunder need to do against the Spurs tonight, Gallo? Just constant vigilance defensively. Mm-hmm. The Spurs' offensive system is so regimented, so but also free-flowing at the same time. They just right. play off these concepts and play randomly. Yeah, and something I wrote in my, my pregame article that's on OKCThunder.com, I, I mentioned that the bench for both of these teams are really, really strong. Yeah. I mean, you've got Patty Mills and Rudy Gay coming off the bench for the Spurs, and then for the Thunder, you've got Dennis Schroeder, the captain for the second unit, and also you've got Darius Baisley, who's playing at a high level right now, along with Hamadou Diallo coming off the bench. I'm curious to see how these two benches really affect this game. The guard play is going to be a really interesting dynamic because mm-hmm. the Spurs just have a wave of point guards young guards and patty mills is the vet yep it's it's definitely gonna be a good game to watch and also you mentioned earlier lamarcus aldridge in the post mm-hmm. the him versus stephen adams is gonna be a really good battle on the glass and don't forget about demar Derozan. i mean high level score how could we forget he's so interesting because he's basically stopped shooting three pointers he's taken two this whole season so wow. far and it's i mean it's a spursy thing you know you go to san antonio and you just do what you're supposed to do that was one of the most fascinating aspects about the spurs last year they led the nba in three-point shooting percentage but were last in attempts hmm. effective yes <laughs> now, i mean they only take the good ones and right. they only let their players that shoot them well shoot them so very interesting dynamic that, that's going to be definitely a key take care of the perimeter defense which is something that the thunder have done pretty well so far this season three-point shooting numbers have been some of the best in the league for the thunder but this is a whole different animal i mean this arena paris i'm excited for you to experience for the first time because this is a great crowd and great atmosphere your first road game (laughs) my first road trip and (laughs) it's been exciting so far but something else that stuck out to me about the spurs this is their youngest roster since greg popovich has been at the helm for the spurs which has been for a long time because he's the longest tenured head coach with one single organization in the nba yeah it's definitely kind of a changing of the guard it's interesting that this is the youngest roster when they still have aldridge derozan patty mills the average age i think is 26.3 yeah (laughs) years old (laughs) 
Hey Thunder fans, are you craving more Thunder content? Well, you can tune in to Fox Sports Oklahoma every other Friday at 6 p.m. to catch the Thunder Insider for all of the behind-the-scenes look at everything happening in the Thunder organization. Here at the Thunder, we like to keep the main thing the main thing. And today's main thing is actually something that happened pregame on Tuesday, and it was a really cool event. Ladies and gentlemen, on our court right now, please welcome family members representing each of the 168 killed in the Oklahoma City bombing. Earlier today, they were each presented with a special City Edition jersey with the name of their loved one on the back. We are proud to welcome them to our game tonight as we remember those who were killed, those who survived, and those changed forever on April 19th. 1995. Incredible emotional moment pregame. Thunder wanted to make sure that these family members got these jerseys well in advance of the team wearing them. Um, it was a beautiful on-court ceremony. Definitely and something about these jerseys is that every stitch was vetted and carefully thought out to represent the families and the people who were changed forever from that day. And me not being from Oklahoma, it was a really cool learning experience to see just how many people were affected. And not even just in Oklahoma, but kind of on the national stage. People came from seven, seven different states. I met one lady who came all the way from California, dropped everything, drove 24 hours to be here to celebrate her stepfather. And it's just really cool to see the national effect that this had. You spent the entire pregame, during the game, yeah. just tracking the story and for you being you know, not from Oklahoma, yeah. you did a fantastic job with your article oh, on you. OKCThunder.com just documenting what happened the entire day. What did you take away from being able to spend some time with these families? Uh, I really kind of learned how resilient and how united everybody in Oklahoma became from this. Um, I, this story is obviously just woven into the history of Oklahoma. It was an impactful day for the city, very tragic, but it, it shaped the city for the better. And you see that through some of these families, when they saw each other, they hugged like they were old friends. And they are because over, for the past 25 years, they were united by this one tragic cause. And yeah. so it definitely showed me that the city was really made for the better after something that happened so tragic. I had a different view because we were in the kind of going through the Fox Sports Oklahoma broadcast. But the thing that stood out to me is Stephen Adams and Chris Paul during the on-court ceremony moved to like behind the basket basically yeah. just so they could get a better view of the, the uh, Jumbotron and uh, the families that were on the court. I mean, they were really interested in just seeing the emotion that was being elicited from this event. And, you know, Chris obviously has a great history uh, with OKC right. from the very first days of professional basketball in, in Oklahoma. And then Steven is one of the, you know, he and Andre are the longest tenured members of the team. So they really deeply understand the impact that this happened, you know, this uh, bombing had on the city and the state and Sam Presti makes sure that every single player goes to the memorial before mm -hmm. they play in a game. So that's really ingrained into Thunder DNA. Right. And you could tell just everybody in Chesapeake Energy Arena felt it, felt the impact, felt the importance of that moment. And people in the crowd were crying. People on Media Row were getting emotional. It was just every, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, New Zealand, OKC, Nashville. It doesn't really matter. You feel the moment and you feel the importance of that that day.
I'll tell you what made me look. What made you look? San Antonio, man. You are traveling your very first road trip. What made me look is that young Paris getting to go on the road with an NBA team for the very first time. I mean, I know that you traveled in college with yeah. Belmont and your basketball team, but what has been different about this experience so far? Definitely just getting on the plane and getting to San Antonio was a completely different experience than anything that I've had in college. I mean, we were, you know, getting on commercial flights and, yeah. you know, s- snuggling in with, you know, the lady with the no, no middle seats, <laughs> yeah. no checking in at the front counter. At, Not at all. Yeah. Yep. Got a lot of work done on the plane, which is something that I've, you know, never been able to do. So it was, it's actually been really, really fun. A little bit of a different schedule and routine than when we're at home. Also getting into the hotel, getting prepared, doing all your homework during, right. you know, the day leading up to it. It's not like you've got your desk at your house or at your office and, you know, you're kind of working out of a hotel room, but it's, it's kind of like what a lot of business people experience. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's basically the same okay. thing. I will say I did take a moment and I walked the river, the famous yeah. river walk here in San Antonio, which we're looking at right now recording our podcast. And it's just really cool because you get to experience different cities and you get to see kind of what the culture is like. And here's the cool part about it. And something that I didn't realize until I got into the NBA is just how much like each team takes on the identity of its city. So like Oklahoma, we just talked about the city edition jerseys, but like, I'm really excited to get to the arena at San Antonio and just see kind of like what I've seen on this river walk just from my couple hours of observing San Antonio so far and trying to just seeing how that translates into the arena. Gonna be a lot of silver and black. That's what Uh, you're gonna see. I can expect that much. Gallo, will you please bless our timeline? I don't think anything could be more holy than what Danilo Gallinari did with his shoe the infamous shoe now from the Orlando game. The viral shoe. Yes. Uh, as many of you probably remember, in the closing minutes of that game, Gallo lost his shoe on a play on offense. Actually had the ball when it happened. He somehow got rid of the ball, gave, got it to a teammate. Chris Paul ended up scoring. But Gallo picked up the shoe and then had to rush and get back on defense. And so he played the entire defensive possession with his shoe in his hand and managed to make a block out against uh, Nikola Vucevic, which is no easy task to begin with, let alone when you have a shoe in your hand. Right. And the Thunder ended up getting the ball. Ball, you know, caromed out of bounds, the Thunder's possession. And then after the game, Gallo gave the offending shoe to a fan, and it was just a beautiful moment. I don't know how Gallo ended up on the floor after that play, but you could tell during the play he was like, do I put the shoe on? Do I not put the shoe on? And he was like, I got to play defense. <laughs> Vucevic was, was trying to get the rebound, so he's taller than me. But if I have the shoe in my hand, I figure I'm a little taller than him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I told him he should have blocked it with his shoe. Cause there's no rules for that. I mean, no one did it, so I should, he should have tried it. I definitely would have. I would have threw my shoe up and blocked it. <laughs> and then somehow he just ended up on the floor and still for like five seconds did not put his shoe on it was i, I feel like we need to do an entire documentary on this moment the, the shoe the shoe <laughs> gallows shoe and it was so fun because before the game you saw the poster the kids had up and he was like i came all the way from italy to see gallinari play and it was just a really cool moment to see gallo hand off something so iconic yes. to the italians especially to his countrymen right? how special is that What are the odds of that happening? That's all we have for you here on our road pod in San Antonio. Thank you so much for listening. And 
Thanks to Hindi, who's all the way back in Oklahoma City. He's going to be editing this. Sorry, Hindi. You got a lot of work to do. But until next time, thanks so much for listening. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, thunder up and catch you later.